0: Well, I want to finish a series today that we started, uh, I think, four weeks ago. This will be our fifth message in the series, a series called Seasons. And I've had so many comments about this particular series. In fact, I've had more comments about this series than I have any series I've done for a very long time because I think people can really identify with the thought that we live our life not just in days. We live our life in Seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says for everything there is a season for everything everything in your life there is a season and then it goes on to list 28 natural seasons that we go through and along with those natural seasons there are some spiritual seasons but some of those seasons that we go through are difficult to navigate But if you look at your life as, well, this is just a season, the difficult times in our life are going to be easier to navigate, not easy, but easier, and so we have to understand that there is a beginning to the seasons, and there is an end to the seasons. If you just look at your life as days, well, this is just a Monday, and a Tuesday, and this is Wednesday, then days just come and days go. How many of you ever had one of those days that it's just totally forgettable, right? It's just forgettable. It's a, it's a Tuesday. You woke up. You went to work. You went home. You ate. You watched some TV, and then you went to bed, and that's just that was Tuesday, right? But during that time, if you understand that, okay, that was mundane, and that was everyday life, and I went to work, and, and it doesn't look like there was a whole a lot accomplished in that day, God has me in a season, And so we have to learn how to navigate the seasons of our life. So we've talked about four difficult seasons, four difficult seasons that we go through. The first one was a shifting season, a season of change. Well, God is changing us. He's moving us out of one relationship into another relationship. He's changing us. It could be a change in career, could be a change in, in different fields. God is shifting, reprioritizing some things in our life, and we go through seasons of change, and we talked about how to navigate those. The next week we talked about dark seasons, seasons where there is pain and hurt and loss. And many times people get into these seasons and here's the danger of not knowing how to navigate a season. If you don't know how to get out of a season that you're in, it will turn into a cycle. And you'll just find you're going through the same thing and what was supposed to last three months has now been three years or ten years. Or some people it has turned into their entire life. This is now the new normal, right? Right? And you see people that struggle with addictions, many times it started through trauma. There was a hurt, there was a pain, there was a loss that led to an addiction that has now led to a lifestyle. And this cycle that they can't seem to break. And so we need to know how to navigate seasons. And then last week we talked about the waiting season where God just has us on a holding pattern. It's Just on a holding pattern, right? And while we're waiting, God is shaping and forming us. And so you can listen to all those messages on our podcast and we'll make those available to you. Today I want to talk to you about dry seasons. Dry seasons. These are seasons where you have little or maybe no emotion and you're really struggling hearing from God. You feel like the heavens are just shut up. You feel like your prayers are not leaving the building. Come on now. And listen, these seasons are the most common seasons of our life. They're the most repetitive seasons of our life. You will find yourself in dry seasons probably very often. And you need to know how to get out of them so that they don't last longer than they should. Dry seasons come into everybody's life. Nobody is immune from them. We all go through times where we have very little to maybe no emotion. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like reading your Bible. You don't feel like coming to church. Even when you do come, you don't feel the emotion. The person next to you looks like they're getting a breakthrough. Their hands are lifted up. They're into worship. And you're sitting there looking at them like, man, I don't know how you're getting. I got nothing. I feel nothing. You're just going through a dry season. But I have some good news for you, and that is this dry seasons are the easiest to break through, they're the easiest. They should be the easiest in our life to get out of. We can go into a dry season, which is often, listen now, it's often accompanied by depression. Many times people who suffer from depression, they're really just going through a dry season. But they don't know how to break out of it. And so, but they're the easiest to break out of. But there are some practical things that you need to know. I want to give you four of them, some steps that you need to take to break through, break out of a dry season in your life. And the first one is this. You have to stay disciplined. You have to stay disciplined. That means even when you don't feel like it, you do it anyway. That means that tomorrow morning, you may have little to no emotion. You may have this feeling like, okay, I, I can't get anything from God. I'm not getting God to respond. God's, God doesn't, hasn't spoken to me in years. I just feel like I'm going through the motions. You wake up. You open your Bible. You read it anyway. You pray anyway. You worship anyway. Amen. You come to church anyway. You do it anyways hallelujah you may not feel like it you may not want to but how many of you know sometimes you just gotta get out of bed and you gotta say you know what i'm gonna do it anyway hallelujah listen we all don't want to do some things in our life we all have to go through the motion sometimes in our life and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with sometimes doing it without emotion listen you do it anyway you do it because it's the right thing to do if you've ever gone through an exercise program, if you've ever tried to get fit in your life, you'll know that there'll be days when you're super motivated, man. You're super motivated and you're like, hey, man, this thing's working. And then there are days when you're like, "Nope, nope. I'm just going to sit here on the couch. The couch is calling my name. Ice cream is calling my name. I walk by the fridge and the dessert just like reached out and grabbed me. I tell people all the time, man, you go to that gym, the heaviest thing at the gym is that front door. That front door is so heavy, you can hardly get the thing open. You just, you gotta, you just can't get it open. Why? Because sometimes. We struggle with motivation. We struggle with emotions. We struggle with feelings. That's why I'm so glad that God put it in the Bible that David wrote in the Psalms. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be on my lips. I will make my boast in the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What's David doing? David is saying, listen, in spite of how you feel, you do it anyway. I'm telling telling my body what to do. My body isn't telling me what to do. Amen. I'm going to do it anyway. Hallelujah. Cuz it's the right thing to do. Stay disciplined. Don't check out. Sometimes people go through dry seasons and they just they check out of church, they check out of volunteering, they check out of ministry, they check out of reading their Bible, they check out of praying. And listen, if you check out, you will stay in that dry season. I promise you. So you have to stay disciplined. The second thing is you got to press in. you got to press in. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to John chapter 5. I want to read to you from John chapter 5. Talking about pressing in. Talking about moving forward. Talking about, listen to me, doing something. Doing something. In John chapter 5, it tells the story of a of a man, and it says this, that there was a pool there in a place called Bethesda. And it was a place where there was five different porches. And all these sick people would lay around. Now watch this. Jesus came up on it. And every now and then an angel would come, stir the pool, and the first person in would be healed. And it says in verse 5, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 Years, 38 years, 38 years. How many you know 38 years is a long time? Now, the Bible doesn't say that he was born with this sickness. It doesn't say exactly how old he is. But many times when people were born with an illness, the Bible will tell us they had it from birth. It doesn't say that about this man. Now, I'm just telling you my opinion. This man could have been 50, 60 years old. It could have been something he contracted as a teenager, as a kid, or as an adult. He could have be been an older gentleman, but for 38 years, he had been sick, and he had been waiting to be healed. And look at verse number six, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, that has to be the strangest question you could ever ask a sick person. Do you really want it? Huh? Do you really want to be made well? Who asks a sick person, do you want to be healed? But Jesus is looking right into the guy's heart. Right? Because how many of you know, we live in Palm Beach County, and you drive around, and when you go on to certain intersections, you see people standing there with signs, and what do the signs say? Will work for food. But how many of you know, not all of them that are holding a sign that says, will work for food, actually will work for food? Right? If you offered them a a job and you say, I'll pay you at the end of the day, they'd say, no, thank you. I'm just going to stand here because what they really want is a handout. Not all of them. I know that there's many people that are legitimately willing to work for food, but there are probably more than just a few that they're just there to get a handout. So Jesus is looking at a man who is laying here for at least 38 years, right? Right? And he says to the man, do you really want it? Because watch what the man says. In verse number 7, the sick man answered, said, Sir, I have no man to get me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, at least he could move somewhat. Right? While I'm coming down. I don't have anybody to help me. So while I'm coming, obviously that means I'm coming really slow. Another steps down before me. Now, i read this quote years ago that says this, some make excuses, others make progress, right? And and I remember just gravitating to that excuse. It doesn't work real well on your spouse, just to give you a, 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 just a little heads up. All right. So don't quote it in marriage a lot. All right. You can maybe try it once and then see your response. But for some people, it just doesn't work. Anyway, some make excuses, others make progress. Well, I need to let you know that Jesus is looking at this man 38 years. You mean you couldn't move an inch a month? You couldn't move a foot a year? How far away were you? You at least made some progress because he says, while I'm coming. See, here's the thing. Some people like their season. Some people become very comfortable in their dryness. Come on now. Some people will say, well, this is just the way it is. I I guess I'm just going to have an emotionless marriage. I guess I'm just going to have an emotionless career. I'm just going to have no emotion. In Christianity, I'm just going to go to church. I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm just going to pray, but I'm just not going to feel anything. And they never press in. They never move forward. But what I have found is this. Bad marriages don't heal themselves. They don't heal themselves. No. How do I know? Because we were in one. We were in a bad marriage for a long time. And let me tell you, it didn't get better. Did you hear me now? Time does not heal all wounds. If it did, God would be unnecessary. Sometimes you have to do something. You have to move forward. You have to press in. And Jesus is looking at this man and saying, Listen, you can sit there for another 38 years or you can do something. And if you're in a dry season, you're in a place where you don't have any emotion, you're just kind of serving God out of duty, but you're not feeling anything. Listen to me. Do something. Do something. You've got to do something. If you do nothing, positive change will not happen. You've got to do something. You've got to move forward. You've got to shake yourself. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to maybe do something you've never done before. Say, listen, I'm going to break out of this dry season. I'm going to do something. I want to feel passion. I want to feel God again. Hallelujah. We've got an opportunity coming up in July. Man, we've never done this before. I'm so excited about it. Every January, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. This July, we're just going to do five. So we got to hit the ground running. We ain't got no time to get warmed up. We don't have any time to, to, to try to, to get going. We got to hit the ground running. So we're calling it five days of fire. It's Monday through Friday, July 30th through August 3rd. Listen, we're just going to believe God. We're going to have worship. We're going to have ministry. We're just going to see what God does. Let the Holy Spirit just move. All right, because we're just believing God. And listen, if you don't want to come, that's when you need to be here. If you've never been to one of our nights before, then you need to show up, right? If you're going through a dry season, if you're going through a time where you can't seem to find the motivation, then you have got to be here. You've got to do something. You've got to press in. You just can't keep doing nothing. You've got to do something. Amen? You've got to do something. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to press in. Jesus is looking And he's saying, hey, you want it? I've got it. Listen, the problem is never on God's end. Did you hear me now? The problem is never on God's end. We have to break through dry seasons. Amen? We have to be willing to, to step out of our comfort zone and say, God, I need something today. So you've got to press in. Number three is this. You have to invest your treasure. You have to invest your treasure. In Matthew, the greatest sermon that was ever preached was called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preached it. And in the sermon, he says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where, your, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Watch verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some people have often misquoted that. They said, well, you know, where your your treasure is, there your heart is. No, 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 that's not what the Bible says. Uh, I should say, they say, where your heart is, your treasure is. They think that, that money follows your heart. I'm telling you, your heart follows your money. And many people, when they check out, one of the first things that happen, when they go through a dry season, they stop giving. They stop tithing. And I'm here to tell you, you have got to make sure that you're faithful to God in the area of tithes and offerings. Because if you are not faithful to God in the area of your tithes and offerings, your heart will check out. Because your heart follows your treasure. It does every time. Right? Your heart, you want to see your heart? Be, be motivated. You want to you see your heart be all in it? You want to see your heart get planted in this thing? Listen, in the kingdom of God, you just put your money into it. You, your, your heart will follow your treasure every time. That's just the way it works. Verse 21 in the Amplified actually says it like this. For where your treasure is, there your heart. And the Amplified Bible takes these words and, and defines them for us. It says your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. Your desires, your desires, your desires, follow your treasure. If you're having trouble getting motivated, make sure that you're faithful to God in the area of your tithes and offerings. I struggle with people who who can't tithe, never tithe, because I go, aren't you grateful though? Aren't you grateful to God? Aren't you thankful? I grew up in a tithing family. My parents tithed. They were very faithful. They taught us from a very young age. This is just what we do. We show our gratitude to God in our tithes and offerings. We're thankful for all that God has blessed us with. And listen, ever since we were young, we've tithed and it has just kept us connected to God's kingdom. And then the fourth one is this. You have got to if I can move this, this thing, find some motivation. i got to find the page that it's on. you got to find some motivation. And here's the thing. Sometimes you have to look within yourself. Sometimes there's nobody else that's going to find it for you. right? Sometimes you don't have a group of friends that are going to take you out, and they're going to encourage you, and they're going to love on you. Sometimes they're just not there. My wife and I, when we were having a difficult time in our marriage... I tell people we've been married 22 years. It's been the 15 happiest years of my life. But the first seven, man, we were really struggling. And we were pastoring up in North Florida in a small town, a small church, small income. Huh? Huh? And I mean, we were really struggling in every area of our life. And I didn't have anybody that was saying to me, Brian, you got to get it together. I didn't have anybody encouraging me. I didn't have anybody taking me out for coffee and saying, hey, you got to be a better husband. You got to love her. You gotta you gotta be a a better father. I didn't have anybody. I had to find my own motivation. I had to pull myself up and go, you listen, God, it's just me and you in this thing. I don't have anybody with me, but I know this. If I've got you, I've got everything that I need. Sometimes you got to lay hands on yourself. Amen. You got to believe God yourself. You got to say, Hey, I may be alone in this thing, but I've got God and I'm going to find the motivation to do what I need to do. Amen. I actually had to look in the mirror of our double wide trailer. We lived in one. I looked in the mirror and I said, Hey, you got to get this thing fixed. And if you're here today and you're struggling with motivation, listen, look in the mirror and say, hey, it's time. It's time. It's time to turn this thing around. You've been dry long enough. You've been empty long enough. You've been without passion long enough. You've been walking and going through the motions long enough. It's time to stir yourself up. That's what the Bible says. Paul told Timothy, stir yourself up. He said this, stir up the gifts That are on the inside of you. Jude wrote this. He said, stir yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It is possible to motivate yourself. It is possible to stir yourself up. If it wasn't, the Bible wouldn't tell you to do it. David encouraged himself in 1 Samuel chapter 30. When no one would encourage him, he encouraged himself. Amen. Amen. Some of you are going, well, I just don't have very good friends. I just, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm around a bunch of turkeys. I mean, how are you supposed to fly like an eagle if you've got nothing but turkeys all around you? You just flap. <laughs> Amen? You stir yourself up. You get motivated, man. When I was living in North Florida, you know, we, were, we had nothing. And I couldn't find any motivation. I just had to go, okay, it's time to turn this thing around. And let me tell you, it was work. And it was effort. And it didn't just happen. Overnight, it took time. But listen, we turned a passionless marriage, a dry, dead, empty marriage, into what it is today. We walked out of that dead, dry season, right, and into a brand new season. You know, one of the things that can help motivate us is something I call a life verse. A life verse. Some of you have one, and maybe you've never heard that term before, or maybe you're here today, you've never heard that before. But maybe as I'm talking you might know what it is. A life verse is one or two verses, a passage of scripture, not a whole chapter. Don't pick Psalms one nineteen. Okay? There's hundred and seventy-six verses. Good luck. Just one or two verses. That speak to you. It's personal. And when you read it. It does something to you. It stirs you up. You read it. And it is a rallying cry for you. It is a call to action. Years ago I developed a life verse. From Ephesians chapter 3. It's at the end of one of Paul's prayers. Verse 20 says this. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that he would ask we would ask or think i make it personal above all that i would ask or think according to the power that is at work in me god is able to do above and beyond all that i would ask that's powerful but it goes on to say or think that's almost unimaginable what's your life verse do you have a verse that is a call to action for you? Do you have a verse that motivates you? Because when you feel sometimes like checking out, when you feel dry, when you feel empty, you need to go to the word of God. It is the seed, right, that produces harvest in our life. And if you have a verse, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you have a verse, I want you to email your verse to us. Would you do that? Take the time this week, if you... If you're on our Facebook page, man, just put it on our Facebook page. You can just post it right to our page. You can send it in a message. However you want to get it to us, send it to us. You can email us at info at gogracechapel.com. Man, if you've got Cynthia and I's phone, just text it to us, whatever. However you could get it to us. Because, man, I want to hear them. I want to hear the different verses out there. They excite me, man. They motivate me. I was talking to Pastor Alex early, and I said, hey, you know, we talked about this. I said, what's your life verse? And he gave me his. I said, man, that's a great verse. Sometimes when we're down, man, when we're depressed, we have to learn how to count our blessings. And the Word of God just reminds us, it reminds us of all that God has done for us and is able to do.